The Tinderbox by Hans Christian Andersen. A soldier came marching along the high road. Left, right, left, right. He had his knapsack on his back and a sword by his side, for he had been to the wars and was now returning home. An old witch met him on the road. She was very ugly to look at, for her underlip hung down close to her chest. Good evening, soldier, she said. What a fine sword and knapsack you're wearing. You are quite a soldier. You ought to have as much money as you're able to carry. Thank you, old witch, said the soldier. Do you see that great tree, said the witch, pointing to a tree beside them. It's hollow inside. You must climb up to the top, and then you'll see a hole through which you can let yourself down into the tree. I will tie a rope around your waist so I can pull you up again when you call. Why shall I do what what shall I do down there? asked the soldier. Get money, answered the witch. Listen, when you reach the bottom of the tree you'll find yourself in a large hall. It is light, for there are more than three hundred lamps burning there. Then you'll see three doors which you can open. The keys are in the locks. If you go into the first room you'll see a great chest in the middle of the floor with a dog sitting upon it. He has eyes as large as saucers, but you needn't trouble about him. I'll give you my blue checked apron, which you must spread out on the floor. Then go back quickly and pick up the dog and set him upon it. Open the chest and take as much money as you like. It is all copper there. If you would rather have silver, you must go into the next room. There is a dog with eyes as large as mill wheels. But don't take any notice of him. Just set him upon my apron and help yourself to the money. If you prefer gold, you can get that too. As much as you can carry if you go into the third room. But the dog that guards the chest there has eyes as large as the round tower at Copenhagen. He is a savage dog, I can tell you. But you needn't be afraid of him either. Put him on my apron and he won't touch you. Then you can take as much gold out of the chest as you like. Come, this is not bad, said the soldier. But what am I to give you? For surely you're not doing this for nothing. Yes, I am, replied the witch. For me, you shall bring nothing but an old tinderbox, which my grandmother forgot last time she was down there. Well then, tie the rope around my waist now, said the soldier. Here it is, said the witch, and here is my blue-checked apron. Then the soldier climbed up the tree, let himself down through the hole, and found himself standing, as the witch had said, in the large hall, where more than 300 lamps were burning. Well, he opened the first door. There sat the dog, glaring at him with eyes as big as saucers. You're a fine fellow, said the soldier, and putting him on the witch's apron, took as much copper as his pockets could hold. Then he shut the chest, put the dog on it again, and went into the second room. Sure enough, there sat the dog with eyes as large as mill wheels. You had better not look at me so hard, said the soldier. Your eyes will pop out of their sockets. 
He set the dog on the apron. When he saw all the silver in the chest, he threw away the copper they had just taken and filled his pockets and knapsack with nothing but silver. Then he went into the third room. Horrors! The dog had two eyes, each as large as the round tower at Copenhagen, spinning around in his head like wheels. Good evening, said the soldier, and saluted, for he had never seen a dog like this before. But when he had examined him more closely, he thought, Now then, I've had enough of this. He put him down on the floor on the apron and opened the chest. What a heap of gold there was. With it, he could buy up the whole town and all the sweets, all the tin soldiers, whips and rocking horses in the entire world. So he threw away the silver with which he had filled his pockets and knapsack and filled them with gold instead. Yes, his pockets and knapsack, cap and boots even, so that he could hardly walk. Now he was rich indeed. He put the, da- d- put the dog back on the chest, shut the door, and called through the tree. Pull me up again, old witch. Have you the tinderbox also? asked the witch. Botheration, said the soldier. I'd clean forgotten it. And he went back and fetched it. The witch pulled him up, and there he stood on the high road with pockets, knapsack, cap and boots filled with gold. What do you want with the tinderbox? asked the soldier. That doesn't matter to you, replied the witch. You have your money, give me my tinderbox. We'll see, said the soldier. Tell me at once what you want to do with it, or I'll cut off your head. No, screamed the witch. The soldier immediately cut off her head. That was the end of her. But he tied up his gold in her apron slung the bundle over his shoulder, put the tinderbox in his pocket and set out towards the town. It was a splendid town. He went straight to the finest inn and ordered the best room and his favourite dinner. For he had so much money, he really was rich. It certainly occurred to the servant who had to clean his boots that they were astonishingly old for such a rich man. But that was because he had not yet bought new ones. The next day, he appeared in a respectable pair and fine clothes. Instead of a soldier, he had become a noble lord, and people told him about the grand doings of the town, and about the king and what a beautiful princess his daughter was. "'How can one see her?' asked the soldier. "'She is never to be seen at all,' they told him. "'She lives in a great copper castle, surrounded by many walls and towers.' No one except the king and queen may go in or out, for it is prophesied prophesied that she will marry a common soldier, and the king is not happy with the idea. I should very much like to see her, thought the soldier, but he could not get permission. Now he lived most gaily, went to the theatre, drove in the king's garden, and gave the poor a great deal of money, which was kind of him. He remembered so well how hard it was to have not a penny in the world. Being so rich, he wore fine clothes and made many friends, who said that he was an excellent man, a real nobleman. The soldier liked that. But as he was always spending money and never made any more, at last the day came 
when he had nothing left but two shillings. And he had to leave the beautiful rooms in which he had been living and move into a little attic under the roof, clean his own boots and mend them with a darning needle. None of his friends came to visit him there, for there were far too many stairs to climb. It was a dark evening, and he could not even buy a light. But all at once he remembered that there was a little end of tinder in the tinder box, which he had taken from the hollow tree. He found the box with the tinder in it, but just as he struck a spark out of the tinder box, the door burst open, and the dog with eyes as large as saucers, the one he had seen down in the tree, stood before him and said, What does my lord command? Do you mean what you say? exclaimed the soldier. This is a pretty fine tinderbox, if I can get whatever I want. Get me money, he cried to the dog. And presto, the dog was off and back, holding a great purse of money in his mouth. Now the soldier knew what a precious tinderbox he had. If he rubbed once, the dog that sat on the chest of copper appeared. If he rubbed twice, the dog that watched over the silver chest would come. And if he rubbed three times, the one that guarded the gold appeared. So the soldier moved back to his beautiful rooms and appeared again in splendid clothes. All his friends immediately came to see him and paid him great court. One night, he thought, it's very strange that no person can see the princess. They say she's very pretty, but what's the use of that if she has to sit forever in the great copper castle with all the towers. I must manage to see her somehow. Where is my tinderbox? He struck a spark, and presto, there appeared the dog with eyes as large as saucers. It's the middle of the night, I know, said the soldier, but I should very much like to see the princess for a moment. The dog was already outside the door, and before the soldier could look around, in he came with the princess. She was lying asleep on the dog's back, and was so beautiful that anyone could see she was a real princess. The soldier could not refrain from kissing her. He was such a true soldier. Then the dog ran back with the princess. When it was morning, and the king and queen were drinking tea, the princess said she had had such a very strange dream about a dog and a soldier. She had ridden on the dog's back, and the soldier had kissed her. That is certainly a fine story, said the queen. But the next night, one of the ladies-in-waiting was sent to watch at the princess's bedside to see if it was only a dream or if it had actually happened. The soldier had an overpowering longing to see the princess again. So the dog went to the castle in the middle of the night, picked her up and ran back as fast as he could. But the lady-in-waiting followed them. When she saw them disappear into a large house, she made a great cross on the door with a piece of chalk. And she went home to bed. And soon the dog went back with the princess as well. But when the dog saw what, that a cross had been made on the door where the soldier lived, he took a piece of chalk and cleverly marked, made crosses on all the doors in the town so that the lady-in-waiting would not find the right house. Early next morning, the king, queen, ladies-in-waiting and officers came to see where the princess had been. There it is, said the king. 
and he saw the first door with a cross on it. No, there it is, my dear, said the queen, when she saw a door with a cross. But here is one, and there is another, they exclaimed, for wherever they looked, there were crosses on the doors. Then they realised that the sign would not help them in their search. But the queen was a very clever woman, who could do a great deal more than just drive about in a coach. She took her large golden scissors, cut up a piece of silk, and made a pretty little bag of it. This she filled with the finest buckwheat grains, and tied it round the princess's neck. When this was done, she cut a little hole in the bag, so the grains would trickle along the road whenever the princess went. That night, the dog came again, and the princess on his, uh, took the princess on his back and ran with her to the soldier, who had fallen so much in love with her that he would have given anything to be a prince so that he might have her for his wife. The dog did not notice that the grains had left a trail right from the castle to the soldier's window where he ran up the wall with the princess. Next morning, the king and queen saw plainly where their daughter had been, and they arrested the soldier and put him into prison. There he sat. Oh, how dark and dull it was there. And besides, they had told him, tomorrow you are to be hanged. Hearing that did not exactly cheer him, and he had left his tinderbox at the inn, Next morning he could see, through the iron grating in front of his little window, the people hurrying out of the town to see him hanged. He heard the drums and saw the soldiers marching. All the people were running to and fro. Just below his window, a shoemaker's apprentice appeared, wearing a leather apron and shoes. He was skipping along so merrily that one of his shoes flew off and fell against the wall, just at the place where the soldier was beeping through the iron grating. Oh, shoemaker's boy! You needn't be in such a hurry, said the soldier to him. There's nothing going on till I arrive. If you'll run back to the house where I lived and fetch me my tinderbox, I'll give you four shillings, but you must run like the wind. The shoemaker's boy was very eager to earn four shillings, so he ran and brought the tinderbox to the soldier quickly. Outside the town a great scaffold had been erected, and all around it were soldiers and hundreds of thousands of people. The king and queen were sitting on a magnificent throne, opposite the judges and the whole council. When the soldier was standing on the top of the ladder, and they wanted to put the rope around his neck, he said that one last request was always granted to a poor criminal before he died. He would so much like to smoke a small pipe of tobacco, it would be his last pipe in this world. The king could not refuse him this, and so he took out his tinderbox and rubbed it once, twice, and three times. And lo and behold, there stood the three dogs. The first with eyes as large as saucers, the second with eyes as large as mill wheels, and the third with eyes as large as the round tower at Copenhagen. Save me! Don't let them hang me! cried the soldier. Thereupon the dogs fell upon the judges and the entire council, seized some by the legs, others by their noses, and threw them high into the air. I won't stand this, said the king, but the largest dog seized him too, and the queen as well, and threw them up in the air after the others, 
This frightened the soldiers, and the people cried, Good soldier, you shall be our king and marry the beautiful princess. Then they put the soldier into the king's coach, and the three dogs danced in front, crying, Hurrah! And boys whistled, and soldiers presented arms. The princess came out of the copper castle and became queen, and that pleased her very much. The wedding festivities lasted for eight days, and the dogs sat at the table and made eyes at everyone. The end. Good night, everyone. Good night, little ones. Night, night.